I'm Ava Hartling, welcome to The Brand is Female. Two days ago was April 20th, also known as 420, and today is Earth Day. What better way to celebrate than to highlight amazing women doing fascinating things in the area of wellness and cannabis specifically. You've already heard from Sarah Gillen, uh, COO and co-founder of Ollie Brands. Uh, she was featured in our latest episode. And today you're going to listen to my conversation with Alison Gordon, CEO of 48 North. And she's actually the first woman to be the CEO of a publicly traded cannabis company. I do think women have a nurturing quality about them and they're about building relationships and building bonds. And I think that this is a huge asset in the workplace and the multitasking, the ability to be moms and be all of these things. So what I would love to see in the future that we could look back on and go, remember when it wasn't like this, that these traits are really valued. Before we get started, I want to let you know we still have a few tickets left for our first In Conversation with the Brandis Female event taking place on May 14th at HOME, H-O-A-M-E, a meditation space in downtown Toronto. You will meet uh, the fantastic Janet Zuccherini, a global restaurant entrepreneur, and the uh, wonderful Najwa Zebian, who is a writer and activist. You don't want to miss it. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to purchase your tickets. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to see you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Those five stars mean a lot to us. Leave a review as well and follow us on Instagram at thebrandisfemale. And now let's hear my conversation with Alison Gordon. 48 North is one of, I think, maybe 75 licensed producers in Canada. So we're licensed by Health Canada to be able to grow cannabis, extract cannabis, sell cannabis. So we're in the cannabis business, really. But I consider 48 North to be a health and wellness company. So really, we're about creating products from the cannabinoids in cannabis to be able to enrich people's lives with a special focus on women because we feel that that's a really important market that's not being addressed. Mm. And did you just launch a business? Was that a recent venture? No, it's uh, the business has been around since 2014. Um, it's a long journey when you're dealing with government regulators to get licensing. You have to first get a cultivation license, then prove that you can grow a few cycles, then you can get your sales license. I mean, everything takes a lot of time. So we actually just received our sales license in June of 2018. Mm, so we've been selling since then. Yeah. Okay. And what made you want to, uh, to be involved with the business, to start this business? What was your interest in yeah, so field. I've been a long time recreational cannabis user, um, never really interested in alcohol. Mm. I, I, you know, something that I've not interested in, but cannabis is something that I have used and, and been quite interested in, but I never thought of it as a career. Um, in about 2008, a close family member was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and her doctor recommended that she tried medical cannabis through the program in Canada, and I had no idea that we even had a program here. Mm. So, you know, the light bulb went off, and I said, like, okay, what is this, and how do I get involved in this? And I started to research what was happening in Canada and the U.S. and see that, you know, things were shifting. Even back then, I could see that. And by 2013, I was like, you know what, let's go for this. And so I did. 
And what were you doing before uh, joining 48 Nerd? Yes. Were you already in so, the wellness industry or well, something different? Well, not really. I mean, I co-founded an organization called Rethink Breast Cancer. Mm-hmm. So we had grown that uh, charity to be a national organization focused on young women with breast cancer. And I loved what I was doing. I loved my partner, MJ. We were very marketing and branding focused as well. So a lot of experience in that area and raising funds and you know, it's a different world for sure, for profit and not for profit, but there's a lot of similarities there. But working with patients, working with government, working with physicians, so a lot of that really crossed over into cannabis, especially when it was just medical. Mm, interesting. And you saw, so tell me a little bit more about the the wellness angle of cannabis for you. Right. Was it something that you experienced yourself? Did you use cannabis to address specific right. uh, health or wellness concerns? So, I mean, I saw with the family member who was palliative and cannabis was really helping her with everything from sleep, anxiety, appetite, pain, which to me was amazing to see that the plant really had the ability to help so much. For myself, I don't think I had ever considered that I was using cannabis as a wellness property, but now that I understand more, it was a really... Um, a way for me to be able to relax, de-stress, um, let go of things. So I, we believe wellness is even your mental health. So to me, you know, however you want to use cannabis, there's lots of different ways it can enrich your life. Mm. Um, there's not that many women who yes. had cannabis companies uh, in the U.S. or in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I know that the feedback and in following uh, kind of the community around, you know, around cannabis, the joke is you go to a panel with, uh, you know, with members of the cannabis industry and it's all men all sitting. Men. Yeah, it's all men. <laughs> sitting at the front. Yeah, it's a very strange thing. I mean, this is a massive industry of the likes that we probably won't see again in our lifetime to be part of this huge change from prohibition to legalization. Um, So what you find in an industry like this, there's a lot of money and bankers and, Mm. you know, we're public companies, so you've got the public markets and that's traditionally a domain that is heavily male dominated. So that's kind of filtered its way to our industry because of the fact that it is a very expensive industry to be in. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's evolved a bit. Definitely in 2013, 14, 15, I would literally be the only woman at a conference of 700 people. Now it's nice to see there are more women, but they're not generally at the CEO or executive level just yet. And that's, you know, really what we're trying to achieve as mm. well. And and it's funny because, you know, a lot of the, the new brands in the cannabis industry, and, and they're pretty much all new brands in Canada yeah. because legalization <laughs> just happened, but they're obviously targeting the female consumer. And then yet you see men, you know, sitting, sitting around the boardroom. Yeah, it's a funny thing because I don't know how many are targeting women, but it's one of those things that when I made the decision that, you know, and the team, all of us really at 48 North said, we really want to have this female audience. We believe we can do that authentically. We've got, you know, history and mm. women's health and I'm, you know, we have female CEOs. And so we, we went that direction. Now we got a lot of publicity for that. And so of course then you, as is typically the case, people say, well, we're going to be focused on women too. And so we mm. kind of stepped back and said, okay, that's great, really. But truly our thing is about in diversity, like it's in whatever form it takes. So mm. it's not just about women. It's about 
being really authentic and true to our values. And we believe that women will really it want something like that, but that many men and other communities will be interested in what we're doing as well. Did you ever encounter, and as you were going through, you know, obtaining a license and all that, did you encounter any obstacles or any, uh, you know, negative feedback because you were a woman at, in the CEO <laughs> position? Yeah, no one was ever outwardly negative to me. I, I don't, you know, I think it's been an advantage for me because what you're trying to often do in our industry, which is quite cluttered, is differentiate yourself. So I'm definitely, oh yeah, that one that's run by the woman. <laughs> But you know what? I, it stands out and yeah. that's great. So I have really not had anyone be anything other than supportive. But, you know, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know if there's some mm. effect on the business because it's harder for men in these positions to see a woman in this leadership role. But mm. to my face, everyone's quite supportive. Well, that's good. That's a good yeah. start. So how do we get more women involved and get them to, you know, take the CEO position, the leadership position right. in, in I the mean, industry? Right. I mean, what I think is what happened was... When I joined the industry in 2013, it was really the beginning. It was a high risk move for me to go into this industry. And I think often women can't take those kinds of career risks, mm. whether it's because they're responsible for the kids and parenting, or even just, it was hard to tell people in 2013, like my parents, okay, I'm going to work in cannabis. It yeah. just wasn't what it is today. I think people forget that everyone thought I was crazy. So again, I do believe that women can't often take the same risks men have because of their responsibilities, mm. which is unfortunate. So women didn't enter the industry at that time. I did, but there weren't a lot of women. So I didn't start in the CEO position. Right. I'm considered, you know, a veteran of the industry because I've been in it since 2013, which is crazy, but that's in a the, lifetime in, industry, in cannabis. It's a, yes. it's a long time. So... What I think is happening, as I said, there are more women coming in and they're not obviously necessarily coming in at the CEO level, but wherever they come in, they're gaining valuable experience and then you'll start to see them rise the ranks. It can't you know, happen until they're, they have some experience. So for me, it's about hiring women where you can, mentoring women, all those types of things, which I do and we do at 48 North as well. Mm. Um. And then let's talk about the sort of product offering and right. where you're taking the brand. Yeah. So you say you are targeting, you want to target women specifically with the products that you're going to be bringing to market. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I don't think a lot of people that are listening, when they think about cannabis, they think about getting high or now CBD is a big fad. So people do understand not all the components of the plant will get you high, but I don't think that people realize that these cannabinoids, so the cannabis plant has over 100 cannabinoids in it. THC is one of them. THC, when heated, is the, the property that will give that psychoactive effect. But there's all sorts of other cannabinoids in the plant, and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what um, these cannabinoids can do and contribute to our lives. So in the future, you will see things like CBD and other cannabinoids in vitamins and cereals and all sorts of things. So when we talk about a focus on women's health, there's a huge range of what that could mean. That could mean um, supplements for menstrual cramps, mm. or that could mean a vape pen that's a little bit more sleek that fits easier into your purse, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that we're developing along that spectrum. But I think people will be really surprised how this industry evolves. And it's not just about dispensaries and a mm. recreational market. 
And I feel, and you might have a different take on this, but I feel like up until now and in the illegal cannabis market, women were not, especially as you were kind of a, a more mature woman and maybe you're a mom, there was a lot of stigma around consuming cannabis because, you know, right. as a mom, it's like, am I, you know, am I going to light up a joint at night instead of having a glass of wine? Um, I think what's changing now with brands such as yours and with the new product coming to the market, we're seeing in California already, but is more sophisticated products or ways to consume cannabis whether you're getting high or not. A hundred percent. That are tailored to Yes, women. exactly. And, or just tailored to your lifestyle. So yeah, smoking a joint can be like have odor and all sorts of things that you might not want for whatever reason. So there are other, and smoking in general obviously has yeah. an impact on your lungs. So having the option to eat it or a tincture or whatever it might be, I think that's something for everyone, including women that just gives you more options. And there's different ways that that's going to affect you because of how it's processed in your body. So I think that women, it's interesting because there is this stigma around cannabis, but then there's this whole culture, wine culture, and people have pillows, or it's wine o'clock or whatever these things are. And I, I just, I'm shocked by the amount of people that you know, come to me and go, well, legalization's great, but, you know, what do I tell my kids? I'm like, I don't know. What did you tell your kids when you started drinking in front of them from birth? You never thought about That's it. That's so true. And quite frankly, you know, you see statistically that cannabis use, I mean, both physically and emotionally and mental health, it just doesn't have anywhere near really any of the implications that alcohol does. So mm. I don't quite understand it, but hopefully it changes in mm. time. I, I think the conversation is changing yeah. and evolving for the best. So what would you say to a young woman who is interested in going into the cannabis industry? Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for somebody starting out? Yeah, my advice would be to really talk to as many people as you possibly can. One of the things about this industry and one of the reasons that I think I've been able to be successful is that I've developed a lot of relationships with people. It's not something that's easy to do on your own, this industry. So having people that you can call and ask advice, whether it's around licensing or regulation or anything, this is really critical and it adds a lot of value. Mm. So the other thing I would say is people often worry, okay, is this company going to be around? Is that company, if I take a job? And I always say, just like get your foot in the door in the industry this industry is really just a couple years old. So you don't have thousands of people who would be competing for a job. So once you get that job, I mean, sorry, you might have thousands of people competing for the first job, but you don't have thousands Mm. of people with experience in cannabis. Mm. So once you have cannabis experience, I would hire, (laughs) I mean, if anybody, most of the time we're posting for jobs, you're not getting anybody with cannabis experience. Mm. Human Capital is the most difficult part of our business because you're dealing everybody's new. So I say just take whatever position with whatever company. If it's not the right place and it's not the right fit, then you'll be able to get another job so easily and just Mm -hmm. suck out as much information and education as you can. So at least join the industry and then you you want to join, join and don't worry about which company is going to be around. We're all startups. I Mm -hmm. mean, Canopy's a much larger startup, but everybody started in and around the same time. Mm. So you're not going to find companies with really um, corporate structure and all sorts of sort of established corporate policies. Everybody's scrambling and doing and moving and going. So if that's you know not for you, then this probably isn't the industry. But if it is, just find a job and 
go to the next one after that. Mm. And how within your company and as um, you know, as the, as a leader of the company, how do you make sure to mentor the younger generation or you know members of your team who right. are starting out in the industry or starting out in their career? Really, well, part of it is to bring women on my team with me into meetings. So okay. that for me was a huge thing when I started in the industry. So yes, I had been running rethink breast cancer with my partner. Yes, I'd been raising money. Yes, I knew all these things. But the language of raising money in the financial markets is not something I think a lot of women understand. And there's all sorts of terminology and things about valuations and market caps and warrants and options. And I, you know, very educated person. And these aren't things that I ever thought about or really understood. So I was really blessed to have people mentor me through that and bring me into these meetings so I could listen and understand what was going on. So for me, it's really about making sure that I can have my team in these meetings with me. They might not understand part of what's going on, but they're going to figure it out pretty quickly because they're smart. And then they now have a language that can take them wherever they want to go. Mm. So who were your mentors or role models, you know, earlier in your career? Yes, it really it was when I started in this industry, um, I worked at a company and one of the founders, Robert Josephson, was just incredible and he helped me to learn all of these <laughs> intricacies of the public markets. As I said, like never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be the CEO of a public company. I, it just isn't something <laughs> I would have imagined and it is a scary world it's not that it's scary when you're in it but when you're looking outside of it thinking about all these nuances seems overwhelming but if somebody's sort of showing you how it goes and you can pick it up it's it's mm. good so what was your reaction when you got the call from 48 north that they wanted you as ceo of the company well no i mean i started out as a consultant okay. and then within a couple of months the board asked me to step in as interim ceo and then become ceo but we weren't public yet mm. so once i was ceo i had to take the company public along with my team and that was again not something i'd ever thought that i would do but you know i i always believe that you should surround yourself with people smarter than you. You can't be about ego or, you know, insecurity. So, oh God, that person's more capable than me. I'm like, why you want people more capable than you? Mm. So I had a great team that, and not all women, some men, and they have more experience with public companies or in finance. And so it was like, great, let's do it. And you guys know how to do it. Just tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't be scared of leaning on other people. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of restrictions right now around <laughs> what cannabis companies, well, can do in general, yes. but it, especially when it comes to marketing and yeah. branding, advertising. How are you planning to navigate that as you launch your, your retail brand? Yeah, it's not easy for sure. What we've been doing is we've created some lifestyle brands. So we have an accessories brand called Fate, like F8. It's sort of like 48. Right. Um, that they're being sold at Tokyo Smoke and will be sold in other places. So that we're allowed to market and brand. Um, we also launched an online platform where we share stories about women and their cannabis use called Latitude. So these brands we are allowed to market 
And as we go down the path, we might say, let's take that brand and make it a cannabis brand. We're no longer able to do all these other things with it, but maybe it has enough traction to be able to say, oh my God, I love those accessories. Oh wait, now they have a vape pen. That's great. So we'll see where all of that goes and what the government allows us to do. But that's always been the plan was we can build into the auxiliary cannabis world because Mm -hmm. it is a lifestyle and then work our way back in. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, um, And in terms of targeting women specifically, what kind of, what kind of conversation or what kind of messaging uh, do you think will be uh, kind of the most effective in getting your brand out and seen by women today? Well, you know, it's interesting. So we did market research, it's probably like a year ago or maybe a bit less. And, you know, one of the things we found was, A, women make up 48% of the cannabis market, which I think people were surprised by. But women are also more likely to see cannabis as a health and wellness properties. So to me, part of that is women are more open to the holistic medicine or using things that are a bit more natural and they really do want to understand more. So there's a lot of research that shows that women do the bulk of the family buying when it comes to almost everything, including mm-hmm. healthcare. They are, you know, taking care of their kids, themselves, their husbands, their wives, their um, parents. So they do a lot of research. And that's why something like Latitude was really important for us because women do tend to also learn through storytelling. And so seeing how other women are using cannabis to enrich their lives, we think is a great way to break down the stigma and go, okay, that's person's not so unlike me. But they're also able to learn, oh, I didn't think about making that myself or doing this this way. And I think that that's Part of what we really want to do is educate women so that they can make the decisions for themselves. I think that's what's really critical for women. Mm. Um, do you have any plans to uh, have any beauty-specific products, skincare? Yes, uh, we're very, cosmetics? very interested in the topical space. I have been for a long time. When I was working in California, the topicals were just starting to come into the store, and they were amazing, some of them. Um, I use CBD creams all the time for aches and pains and, and there's so much that we're now learning that it can be used for beauty products. So definitely stay tuned for the beauty side of it. Cause we just think it's, it's really exciting to be able to create these new products mm-hmm. like that nobody else is doing. Cause why create something that already exists? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so on the show, we have a couple of questions that okay. we like to ask all our, our guests. Okay. And uh, the first one I would ask, so you're now, you're CEO of a publicly traded company. It's a, a booming industry. You're already still, uh, you're, you're still building a lot around it. Um, you're a mom as yes, well. Yes, I am. So how do you keep balance? What keeps you grounded on a day-to-day basis? Nothing. I'm not grounded and I'm not balanced. <laughs> um, but I don't think I ever have been. So that's maybe my nature and it doesn't bother me so much anymore. I think I recognize life is really short. I'm blessed, knock on wood, to be healthy. My kids are healthy. So I just run as fast as I can at both ends and figure, you know, maybe when I'm 60, I'll relax. So no, I think balance (laughs) is like a crazy myth. 
Well, but cannabis seems to be part. Uh, oh, okay, of your, of sure. <laughs> would would that be something that you know you mentioned you use it more for I guess relaxation purposes yeah. or, um. So how how is that part of your routine? Well, I mean, it's part of my routine in the sense that I think the same way some people have a glass of wine, I'll smoke a joint or or do what I do. Um, and then it does. It is kind of miraculous, miracleness. I don't know what the word is about cannabis because it is true that most days if I'm totally stressed out and something's just nagging at me, if I do smoke a joint, I am suddenly not really concerned about that your mind kind of goes to other places mm. so I would say yes but does that create balance no does it take my mind off of things yes so that yes could I could take my right mind there. off yeah. of things but there's not really a balance there right. yeah no that's interesting because I asked that and and in fact um in doing an, an interview earlier the and and the person I was speaking to is also a mom and running right. a business and the answer was similar she said there is no such thing as balance it's just trying to figure it out and make it happen no something always has to give but I think you just have to accept that there's a journey you're on a journey your kids are on a journey and of course I love them and I'm there for them and I think that they are probably more independent than other kids because they have to figure certain things out if I'm not around it's not easy luckily or I shouldn't say luckily but um, I am divorced so I have my kids every other week so when I don't have my kids I am on a plane generally I don't Mm. know how I would do that otherwise that's sometimes when people ask me that question mm. that you did, how do you work-life balance? And I make a joke and say divorce. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's oversimplifying with the yeah. heartache and the you know guilt and shame right. and fear that yeah. you go through. So that's where I think the balance doesn't really happen is that I don't think as a woman your mind allows you to feel good about any of these things Mm. especially if you are passionate about your kids and passionate about your work you just feel like you're failing all the time (laughs) actually it's a good segue I was gonna ask how do you deal with doubt and anxiety in your life well cannabis for sure on the anxiety (laughs) front as we said doubt I don't I don't it depends what kind of doubt I mean I think doubt with your kids is a lot harder because you just want to do so right by them doubt with work I recognize there's no perfect decisions so you know things will go up and down as as they do but I I have doubt all the time and then I just beat myself up and then something good happens and you're on to the next wave (laughs) not a very good answer It's it's a cycle of yeah, moving of, forward of, with yeah. the, the lows and the highs. Feeling great, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, beat yourself up on the worst, then something great happens. Oh my God, look what I did. Did something change when you became CEO, when you became like the leader of, you know, of a company in terms of how uh, in your decision-making process or how you view, you know, the... The, the things that you do on a on a daily basis in a in the work context yeah I mean it's interesting because in my prior um, life at rethink breast cancer I was really the co-founder with my partner MJ but her title was executive director and I think I was VP so technically she was my boss but we really ran this together so since I was 26 or 27 I really haven't had a boss so I don't know that this change for me in terms of that thinking of being now the boss but definitely 
the outside world's perception of what it is to be a CEO in the cannabis world. I mean, people, I think, have this glamorous image of, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not the CEO of Apple, right? <laughs> so it, it's funny because, yeah. yes, from the outside looking in, there's definitely this it's a big perception. title. Right, so it all seems really There's grand. a lot of money associated uh, yeah, to exactly. the industry. Yeah. So it's, it's that, but it's really just, the same headaches and heartaches and joys and you know you're dealing with people and I you know it's like it, it's all the same mm. if we could go back in time is there something you would do differently or a decision that you would uh, yeah I would have bought change? canopy stock at a dollar <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else's that I was friends with at the time which some I did and some I didn't but I would have bought a lot more I'm like who knew Yes, that's definitely one. <laughs> <laughs> and is there something more in some decisions you made along, I don't know, your, your career, or your, uh, your, your personal life? Would there be something major that you'd want to go back on? I don't really live with regrets. I don't know. I'm always focused on moving forward. But I think that one thing I do think about a little bit is when I entered the industry, I took a position and, and at another company and I did that route. And obviously looking back, had I gone and done it myself from the get-go and raised the money and built a company, it's all very easy to say in retrospect, now I know how to do it. Back then I wouldn't have understood any of it. So of course I there is part of me that's like, damn, I could have known how to do it from day one back in 2013. But I'm really happy with at 48 North and what we're doing here. And of course, I own part of the company and and really most of our team does. So that's that's really important, too. Mm. So so no regrets. And if we fast forward 10 years from now, looking back, what will be the one thing that you'll have been the most proud of? Well, I'm very proud to be the first female CEO of a publicly traded cannabis company in the world. I know that now there's a one other woman who she's like, wait, I was first. I'm like, but are you a cannabis company that's growing cannabis? Because what is a cannabis company? Mm. But that said, that that's really something I am very proud of. It's, it's amazing that pe women come and say they're inspired, that they feel that they can do more. I'm like, really? Oh my God. Okay. I, I don't know. But I think that that's a big accomplishment. It, and it is, I would agree. Um, is there a book that you've read that's influenced or changed your life or, you know, marked who you are at some point? Well, I do like, Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. And I think there's a great message there of mm -hmm. just life is this long and fabulous journey and if you grab it and say yes to it then you'll just go all these places so i'll go with that one <laughs> i love it um and is there a quote or a saying that you repeat over and over well i generally say always be hustling <laughs> or every day i'm hustling those i definitely repeat over and over because it's a hustle for sure and you got to be on your game at all times I like that one. Like you should have mugs or t-shirts printed. <laughs> I think <laughs> some rapper slogan. has that yeah, somewhere exactly. <laughs> in, in their world. But I just, I think that's what it's about. It's, you know, you got to be, especially as a woman, I think it's just that scrappy, you know, ready to go do anything that needs to be done that can take you places, especially in cannabis. Mm. And is there one thing that you wish women in general would do more of? 
Well, I mean, I think for me, myself as a woman, I definitely still fear conflict, which is crazy because conflict is really part of life. And I, and I think other women, some many probably have the same. So I think getting over that fear of confrontation and being able to really assert yourself is something I want for myself and I really want for all women. One of women's strengths, and I hate to even categorize, by the way, we didn't address this when you were asking about products for women and things mm. for women. I often say, just to be clear, we're having a conversation about business and a target audience. I don't look at all women as the same and there's no one product that could be. So as a demographic, I would probably have more in common with a whole bunch of men than I would with women of a certain socioeconomic or um, you know ethnic background or whatever it might be. So I'm not trying to say all women are the same. That said, I do think women have a nurturing quality about them and they're about building relationships and building bonds. And I think that this is a huge asset in the workplace and the multitasking, the ability to be moms and be all of these things. So what I would love to see in the future that we could look back on and go, remember when it wasn't like this, that these traits are really valued. So again, I don't know that it's to women to make them valued, but we do play a role in that dynamic. And I think not backing down from that side of yourself to try and be more like men and be more almost the opposite of what I just said, confrontational and all of those things. I think there are ways to do it differently. And I think women you see already out there are really rising head and tails because they have those skills. Mm -hmm. What's next for 48 North? What is next for 48 North? Well, we just completed the acquisition of Good and Green. And so now I'm actually co-CEO with another woman, Jeanette Vandermerle, who's mm. amazing and a veteran of the industry. So we're two women CEOs, which everyone's like, wow, first, you know, one, now two. Um, and we are really excited. We put in our application for Outdoor Grow. So that is going to be really disruptive to the industry because you're talking about basically 3 million square feet, but it's outdoor and really, really cheap. So I think you're going to see big changes because that's going to change the game. Mm, yeah, that's I'm really excited to see uh, what happens next. And what's next for Allison? <gasps> what is next for Allison? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I never think about these things. I mean, for me, what's next is really to keep growing 48 North, to launch more products into the market, to be able to expand into other markets. That's the beauty of Canada. We can do things globally. Mm. So I think it's about taking 48 North to that next level and really having it be a brand name, a household name. And nobody in the industry is Coke or Pepsi yet. So the field is wide open for someone to come in or a few to come in and really own it. And mm. I think that we are in a great position because we're authentic. We're real. We're cannabis users. We believe passionately about what we're doing. We have experience and expertise, and we're going to go out there and do that. That's super exciting. Um, and actually, there, there's a question on the on the cannabis industry, so I want to go back for a second. Um, how different do you think the Canadian cannabis industry is to right. the U.S., for example? Right. Okay, well, <laughs> that's like a five-hour answer but in in simple terms it's it's quite different 
Um, Canada is obviously a highly regulated country, right? We have, I don't know, five banks, five cell phone companies, and the U.S. is a much freer market. So while there are, it's been interesting because what happened was in the U.S., cannabis is a Schedule One drug federally. So even though you have legalization in Colorado and California and all these places, it is still federally illegal. So what that means is you can't cross state lines with cannabis. So you might build the biggest company, the biggest brand in California, but you can't just ship the products anywhere else to the mm-hmm. US. So that means you're going out, you're getting another license, you're building a complete, you know, company in another state and going state by state by state. And and these things are expensive and the regulations are different in each state and there's all sorts of complications. So this has given Canada a huge advantage since, you know, 2014 when the program started. Because A, we were federally, like even when we were medical, it was a federal program. So you could be a public company. So, you know, by being a public company, you're able to raise much more capital and therefore acquire other businesses and do all these things. So in the U.S., you cannot be a public company and actually touch the cannabis plant. That means that a lot of money has been flowing through Canada and that's created this huge opportunity for all of us. That said... You see tides changing in the U.S. a little bit. Um, some people think within a year you might see the ch- rescheduling of the drug in the U.S. Others say no chance for another five years, whatever it might be. But the minute that that happens, it's a different game because now, A, you can be a public company in the U.S. There will be a lot more money there to build out companies in the U.S. There's just more money there. And... You might see, obviously, you, the cannabis products can move throughout states. They might allow for export or import or any of these things. So we've had this sort of four-year first-mover advantage as Canadians, but the regulations are making it difficult for us to build brand in the way that could dominate globally because Mm. we can't really do that so yes we have a lot more money yes we have a lot more infrastructure but they're going to come along with brand and kill it Mm. and so you know yes we're definitely I'm always looking at the U.S. always thinking about the U.S. because I have worked down there and I think that is an advantage for us at 48 North because I have strong relationships with many of these companies that are just on the precipice of of becoming, you know, some of the biggest names in the industry. But it's unfortunate because we've had this advantage, but I can't say what I want to say because it's, you know, regulatory. Yeah. 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 Okay. I can see. Well, is but is there any potential for uh, global collaboration? Like can Yeah, I mean, like at 48 North, we, for example, partnered with a company called Mother and Clone out of Colorado. It's mm. an amazing brand product. It's a na- uh, sublingual nano spray. So it comes on in 60 seconds. It's really no smell. Um, and so we will produce those products for Canada. Okay. And so that to me is part of our overall strategy. We'll have more of those that we'll announce because we know that they can market and brand in the US. We all live in a global world. You're on the internet, social media, magazines. You'll say, oh my God, you Mm -hmm. might live in Canada, but go read about Mother and Clone and be like, where do I get that? Oh, I get that here, right? And we're producing it. But that's still not the same as being able to, from Canada, create that Coke or Pepsi, as I'm saying, Mm -hmm. Um, which... 
I think, you know, it will see where the regulation evolves, but the way things are restricted, it is very difficult, as you said, to market and brand. Mm -hmm. And so how do we do that in a way that can filter down to the U.S.? It's a complex industry for sure, but it's it's huge opportunities, Mm. so... No, I think well, it's good. And it's amazing that we've got a young woman heading it and thank trailblazing you. in the industry. Thank That's super you. impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Not so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> From the outside. There's the self-doubt. See? <laughs> yeah, it always exactly. comes in. See, a man would not have said that. <laughs> exactly. But we just need to value that self-deprecating behavior. <laughs> thank you so much, Allison. This thank was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Allison for such a great interview. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe to our podcast on the app of your choice. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate that very much. And follow us on Instagram where you can like, comment, share our posts. I'll be back in a week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening.